Well, it's that time again, time for another edition of the Urantia Radio Podcast. This time up, we're going to be talking about Marancha Moda. I've been giving some good read to a section from Paper 48 on Marancha Moda. What is Moda and why does it matter? But anyway, I also want to point out that the Discover Jesus app is out. And it's great. Go to discoverjesus.app. That's kind of an unusual extension, but it'll get you to the homepage. And then from that point on, it's, it's like kind of like Wikipedia on steroids, but having to do with the, por- the fourth part of the Arantia book, uh, the life and teachings of Jesus. So it's a real good journey, and it's absolutely free. And the folks at Center for Unity over in Israel and elsewhere, all the participants are very excited. It, it launched on November 15th. It's out there for the world to see and absorb, and we want to wish those folks continued great success on their projects. Also, next week we'll be hopefully joined by a gentleman who is uh, putting a focus on filming, putting together films having to do with Urantia book subject matter. So uh, stay tuned for that and uh, other things coming up too. A couple of fellowship association conferences. If you go to your my website, urantiaradio.net, and click on Community, You'll see a list of things that are upcoming in the new year for the Urantia community globally. So check that out. In a moment, Marancha Moda. Why does it matter? It's an interesting trip on a different kind of philosophy. And it's something that they say that they're going to be teaching us in the next life ahead when this uh, journey here on earth is over. So we'll get to that in just a moment. You're listening to the Urantia Radio Podcast. Welcome back to the Urantia Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Watkins, longtime reader and student of the Urantia uh, book. And uh, always exciting to see and hear so many things, great articles that are being posted. Uh, Get connected if you can, if you want to learn about the book and uh, the people that also enjoy reading and learning about the Urantia book, the Fifth Epical Revelation. Uh, It's good to go with like the Urantia Association, the Fellowship. These are all groups that, uh, that represent the, the creme de la creme of people who've been studying the book and writing about it, new articles coming out every week. And it really gives you a good grasp of what we have in our hands and why it's so important. And one of the things that we learned from Paper 48 is that they teach this thing called moda. And what is moda? M-O-T-A, moda. Moda is a way for them to take knowledge and presented in a stereoscopic presentation where, so for example, I'm going to read a couple of moda. uh, They have 28 moda lessons that they include in paper 48, I think it is. And basically they're lessons to help you understand sort of a spiritual philosophy uh, that, that makes your mind sort of contemplate higher meanings and values. And that's part of the growth process. Um, it, I, I equate it maybe sometimes like thinking about calculus, you know. You kind of have to learn, you know, the basics before you can get to algebra and then on to calculus, right? And it's the same with moda and philosophy. And, and, and you know, as the personality is growing uh, toward its spiritual 
potential, the way to get there is through our thinking and our thoughts and learning philosophy and, and extrapolating meetings from just common day events. Everything in your life has meaning or it can have meaning. You know the old phrase, you know, to he who has God in his heart, all things are spiritual. So if you're walking around, and I heard a great, great quote the other day that sort of ties into this. This is, this is what I would consider to be human moda, but it was something that somebody posted, and uh, it's when some, I know I'm going to completely slaughter it, but it said something like, uh, as a Christian, I'm not a Christian because I'm trying to get into heaven and become a citizen of heaven. I'm a Christian as a Christian, I become a citizen of heaven just trying to get my way through work, uh, through earth. So that's kind of it. See, I told you I butchered it. But anyway, it's a great statement. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, I'm not believing in God because I want to go to heaven. Once I start believing in God, I am a part of heaven. But I still have to go through the rigmarole of living as a mortal ascended being for the time being, right? We all do. Uh, so anyway, so that I just kind of like that twist. You know, you're looking at the same thing, but from two different perspectives. And Moda seems to me, and I'll read a little bit about it, it seems to be an expansion of philosophy. Again, a stereoscopic presentation of the meanings and values in our day-to-day -day life. And it's in concentrating on those that we become more spiritually aware of what's going on, the meanings in our lives, things that might seem otherwise random are connected. Uh, so they write in paper 48, Moda is more than a superior philosophy. It is to philosophy as two eyes are to one. It has a stereoscopic effect on meanings and values. Material man sees the universe, as it were, with but one eye, flat. Mansion world students achieve cosmic perspective, depth, by superimposing the perceptions of the Marancha life upon the perceptions of the physical life. And they are enabled to bring these material and Marancha viewpoints in true, into true focus, largely through the untiring ministry of their seraphic counselors, who so patiently teach the Mansion World students and the Marancha progressors. Many of the teaching counselors of the Supreme Order of Seraphim begin their careers as advisors of the newly liberated souls of the mortals of time. So that's one. Uh, let's go to Maranchamoda and see if we can find, uh, there we go, paper 48, section 7, Maranchamoda. The lower planes of Maranchamoda join directly with the higher levels of human philosophy. On the mansion worlds, it is the practice to teach the less advanced students by the parallel technique. That is, in one column are presented the more simple concepts of moda, meanings, and in the opposite column, citation, is made of analogous statements of mortal, mortal philosophy. Now, the author of this particular paper writes, Not long since, while executing an assignment on the first mansion world of Satania, I had occasion to observe this method of, uh, method of teaching. And though I may not undertake to present the moda content of the lesson, so that would have been what was in the first column, he says, I am permitted to record the 28 statements of human philosophy which this Marancha instructor was utilizing as illustrative material designed to assist these new mansion world sojourners 
in their early efforts to grasp the significance and meanings of moda. These illustrations of human philosophy were, number one, and these are statements that are geared to get you to think, and it's a shame that we don't have the parallel, the whatever the moda aspect of these statements are, but these statements are still pretty neat, and they're still very thought-provoking. So I'll roll through them and give you a couple seconds to kind of think about it, but it's just good food for thought, and it's intended to kind of get your mind going. Again, thinking about taking the, uh, extracting the meanings and values of everyday living is intended to promote higher thinking. So the first lesson, a display of specialized skill does not signify possession of spiritual capacity. Cleverness is not a substitute for true character. Now, I, I, uh, I thought about that quite a bit. You know, you see a lot of people that are very, very smart, very gifted. And sometimes when we see somebody who's smart, gifted, you know, say, for example, a Bill Gates or somebody like that, and you assume that because they're so smart and gifted, maybe they're, they're quite spiritual or advanced. But oftentimes I find that's not the case. In fact, most of the time I find that people that are overly specialized and extremely gifted seem to lack spiritual flavor. They seem to be so full of themselves and their greatness that, you know, that, that they think of religion or faith as something that, that they, you know, outlived or overcome. Have you noticed that? Uh, number two, few persons live up to the faith which they really have. And so that's an interesting statement because that sort of says what I'm saying. Mo most of the time, people who are most spiritual are also the most humble. But this, uh, the second lesson, few persons live up to the faith with what they really have. It also concludes with this, unreasoned fear, unreasoned fear is a master intellectual fraud practiced upon the evolving mortal soul. Now, it took me a little while to kind of grasp that, but basically what it's saying is an unreasoned fear. So what would you be fearing? Fearing what, what faith might do with you, unreasoned fear, meaning you might be wrong, uh, something that talks you out of your faith, something that makes you question your faith. Is that Would that be considered unreasoned fear? And then, of course, the master intellectual, intellectual fraud aspect is, is that our, our own minds can sometimes trip us up because of unreasoned fear. And maybe, maybe that's why people of faith uh, don't live up to it because they're, they're afraid they might be wrong or they're, they're afraid that they're too frail or they're not going to get it or something like that. Number three, inherent capacities cannot be exceeded. A pint can never hold a quart. Or as I think it was uh, Clint Eastwood said, a man's got to know his limitations. It goes on to say this, <laughs> the spirit concept cannot be mechanically forced into the material memory mold. Uh, sometimes you have to accept that people are just the way they are. Growth is slow. Mortals, few mortals ever dare to draw anything like the sum of personality credits established by the combined ministries of nature and grace. The majority of impoverished souls are truly rich, but they refuse to believe it. Number five, difficulties may challenge mediocrity and defeat the fearful, but they only stimulate 
the true children of the Most Highs. Number six, to enjoy privilege without abuse, to have liberty without license, to possess power and steadfastly refuse to use it for self-aggrandizement. These are the marks of high civilization. Number seven, blind and unforeseen accidents do not occur in the cosmos. Neither do the celestial beings assist the lower beings who refuse or who refuses to act upon his light of truth. That's interesting. It almost sounds like two different things that they're saying. How are they harmonized? I'll read it again. Number seven, blind and unforeseen accidents do not occur in the cosmos. So under what circumstance would a blind and unforeseen accident, say, would that be like a car accident? So would a car accident happen, do we see it as something that wasn't intended to happen? Uh, or that, or if we have some hardship in our life, do we assume that it was blind and unforeseen and there's no value in it? Or do those events challenge us and actually stimulate our willingness to act and rise above it? And in doing so, that's when the celestial beings can assist us. Because if we're not acting upon the light of truth, then, then they can't help us. That's what this is saying. Uh, number eight, effort does not always produce joy, but there is no happiness without intelligent effort. It seems pretty simple enough. You see people that aren't happy or that they're unfulfilled in their life. Well, what are they doing in their mind to change their, their viewpoint? Or are they just sitting around feeling sorry for themselves or feeling victimized or a victim? And maybe that's where the unhappiness comes in is because, you know, they may have periodic moments of joy, but true happiness is, is not achieved without intelligent effort. Number nine, action achieves strength. Moderation eventuates in charm. Righteousness strikes the harmony chords of truth and the melody vibrates throughout the cosmos even to the recognition of the infinite. Number 11, the weak indulge in resolutions, but the strong act. Life is but a day's work. Do it well. The act is ours. The consequence is God's. That's such a great philosophy to never get too far ahead. I tell people all the time, don't project. Just take one day at a time. Number 12, the greatest affliction of the cosmos is never to have been afflicted. Mortals can only learn wisdom by experiencing tribulation. Thirteen, stars are best discerned from the lonely isolation of experiential depths, not from the illuminated and ecstatic mountaintops. Number fourteen, wet the appetites of your associates for truth. Give advice only when it is asked for. Number fifteen, affectation is the ridiculous effort of the ignorant to appear wise the attempt of the barren soul to appear rich number 16 you cannot perceive spiritual truth until you feelingly experience it and many truths are not really felt except in adversity i'm starting to see a thread here that it would it'd be a lot, far less stressful if we would just assume that almost everything in our life that has any meaning or value is going to be a struggle what is that expression? You, you cannot grow without resistance. You have to have something, especially like in physical exercise, resistance is what builds mass or muscle. 
That must be true on a spiritual side as well. 17. Ambition is dangerous until it is fully socialized. You must have not truly acquired any virtue until your acts make you worthy of it. Number 18. Impatience is a spirit poison. Anger is like a stone hurled into a hornet's nest. That's one of my favorites. Number 19. Anxiety must be abandoned. The disappointments hardest to bear are those which never come. That's such a true statement, isn't it? So many people, they worry about things that never happen. Number 20. Only a poet can discern poetry in the commonplace prose of routine existence. Number 21. The high mission of any art by its illusions to foreshadow a higher universe reality, to crystallize the emotions of time into the thought of eternity. Number 22, the evolving soul is not made divine by what it does, but by by what it strives to do. Number 23, death added nothing to the intellectual possession or to the spiritual endowment, but it did add to the experiential status the consciousness of survival. Number 24, the destiny of eternity is determined moment by moment by the achievements of the day-by-day living. The acts of today are the destiny of tomorrow. 25. Greatness lies not so much in possessing strength as in making a wise and divine use of such strength. 26. Knowledge is possessed only by sharing. It is safeguarded by wisdom and socialized by love. Number 27. Progress demands development of individuality. Mediocrity seeks perpetuation in standardization. Number eight, the argumentative defense of any proposition is inversely proportional to the truth contained. And then he concludes by saying, such is the work of the beginners on the first mansion worlds, while the more advanced pupils on the latter worlds or later worlds are mastering the higher levels of cosmic insight and Marancha Moda. Sounds like a real good university that I'm looking forward to attending. How about you? Well, listen, that's it. We're going to wrap it up. I wanted to kind of keep it simple and direct. It's the holidays. We're all doing what we're doing, trying to make ends meet, uh, make our the people who depend on us and love us happy and secure, and uh, navigating through the maze of modern life. So next week, exciting, we'll be talking about the Urantia book made film. And again, if you've got a question or a comment, Radio at gmail.com. Until next time, thank you for stopping by. Be of good cheer.